Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You want to talk about making crawling sexy? I, I, wait, wait. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Dungeon crawling. Dungeon crawling. What What were you thinking? Uh, no, uh, uh, nothing. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I'm your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic is from Dave, who sent us an email that asked, Hey, Senda, I have a question for you and Phil for Pandas Talking Games. How do you make a dungeon crawl exciting and entertaining? Because the act of dungeon crawling is slow and sometimes tedious because players tend towards self-preservation. Color me a veteran GM who has never really run a D&D game, who wants to run a nostalgic D&D game, but I want to do it right and good. Oh boy, the dungeon, the dungeon crawl, crawl. <laughs> rubs his hands together. <laughs> we it's... should have like epic intro music right there, right? It is one of the most established genres in the hobby. Um, hell, its uh, name is uh, the the word dungeon is synonymous with the largest role playing game out there, right? Um, yes. And as a genre, like as, as as with any genre, there are secrets to uh, how to run a good dungeon crawl. Indeed, yes. So tonight we are going to dive deep into dungeons and find out what makes them tick. And in order to do that, we first have to establish a few terms, right? So, um, Phil, that dusty tome, if you just sweep aside some of those spider webs over there, I already checked the shelf for traps. Um, I think it says definitions on it. You want to want to take a look at that? I do indeed. I also want to note for our listeners that there might be a touch of irony that you and I are the two <laughs> people talking about dungeons and didn't kick this over to down with D&D. <laughs> whatever. We're, but whatever. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it the pandas way. <laughs> we're going to show you how pandas tackle dungeons tonight. So, uh, we really need to define just one thing here tonight and that is what exactly is the dungeon crawl genre? Luckily for us, the folks at tvtropes.com have a whole entry for this. Uh, and their definition is actually pretty good. So I'm just ripping it out of TV Tropes and reading it back to us. Dungeon crawling is the act of exploring a dangerous area while looking for a treasure or some other plot coupon or MacGuffin. The characters must battle enemies, usually monsters, and use their skills and equipment to negotiate obstacles, usually traps... Usually, but not always, there is a boss battle at some point and a MacGuffin or plot coupon at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty good as Sounds definitions like a go. To me. Yeah. 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 That's, that's got all the high points. And again, go to TV Tropes if you want to look up things like plot coupon, MacGuffin, and all those things. Okay. So, as we said before, the dungeon crawl is a genre. Mm-hmm. And there are some tropes about dungeons that are uh, pretty synonymous with this genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are like things like things being old or forgotten, right? That's like a, that's a really common trope. Yep. Monsters. 
There have uh, to be monsters, probably. Generally uh, tre- monsters. Treasure, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's most of the time what people, what characters are doing in a dungeon, right? Get treasure. Yep. There might be other things, but treasure. Yep. Traps. Right? Traps. Always. Got a favorite? Um, I have some least favorites. What's your least favorite trap? My least favorite trap is the poison needle in the lock. Oh, it's my favorite trap. I know, because I'm a, I, I play fucking rogues. I hate that trap. Yeah. Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. It. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's a common one. Um, yeah. Okay. The, there's also hostile environments, right? Rickety bridges, cavens, lava, like all sorts of like things that have to be maneuvered past. Ice. Creepy, spooky, and intense atmosphere, right? Yeah. Because it's dark. You have to like light your way. You might not be able to see things that might jump out at you. Bats, spider webs. There's maps. The GM often will, the GM will always have a map of the dungeon. Yes. Sometimes the maps like on the table, like where you're drawing mm-hmm. it out. In older versions of D&D, you had a mapper, somebody who actually drew the map as you were going through. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. It was very hard. <laughs> it never looked like his. Secret passages, part of the reasons that maps were hard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, forgotten lore. These mm-hmm. things are old and sometimes have information in them that's been long forgotten. Indeed. And quests. Because, you know, there might be a good reason they went in here. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the dungeon crawl, we can also look at what activities the characters are likely to perform during like this experience yeah so exploration is a big one right that's like maneuvering through the dungeon and its various rooms mm-hmm. problem or puzzle solving is a really typical one right there's a mystery about the dungeon or one of its inhabitants or a puzzle in the room to get to the next room um, other types of problems like you know this bridge is about to split in half how are you going to get across the chasm without it splitting think zelda just think about zelda for all of this part yep there's combat right um yes combat's a big part of a dungeon right kick in doors fight monsters yep which um leads us also to a boss battle usually there's something big and nasty that's lurking at the end of the dungeon that you have to defeat before you're done with the dungeon it's always at the end of the dungeon it's always at the end like you don't fight the dragon at first and then like you know, at the end of the dungeon, like just kick the crap out of a couple kobolds. Like it's sometimes there's a mini boss in the middle. That's how sure, you know you're halfway. Sure. Lieutenant, right? Yep. Or the first encounter with the dragon, and then they fly away. Oh yes, yes, right. Yes. Yeah, yep. could be that yep. too. Uh, there are physical challenges, right? This is things like overcoming terrain environment. So maybe somebody has to climb up something or nimbly cross. A very narrow path, like by the edge of a, you know, by the edge of the chasm or, you know, over a pit of lava or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and mental challenges, which is where you run into things like fear or madness, um, mind altering effects, which if you have questions about those, gosh, we talked about that. Refer sure back did. to that episode not so long ago. Uh, there's logistics, right? So depending on the game. This can be more or less, but logistics, like what do you bring into the dungeon with you? What are you carrying? Uh, What do you keep? Like, what if you find more treasure than you can carry? Like, how do you make decisions about what to keep, what to get rid of, or when to leave? My group had a donkey. (laughs) Yeah, that was not uncommon. Listen, in first edition, having pack animals, having hirelings, like... I mean, I can remember going in the dungeon with like 15 people, like the party plus like like an entourage. Right. You just carry stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. 
um, encounters. So you might encounter NPCs who are not interested in combat, right? There's treasure gathering. Again, uh, sometimes the goal of a whole dungeon is to go retrieve something. Like maybe there's like a, a special amulet that it can only be found in the dungeon. You have to go get it. And then depending on the game and how currencies work in the game, sometimes you get you just get treasure for like, you know, grinding through encounters. Yep. And then survival, which is using your wits, the gear that you have, your powers that you have, and your skills to make it back out alive. Yeah. Ho- hopefully alive. Uh, yeah. Uh, or at least, you know, bring the body out and have it resurrected. Yes. Yeah. So it goes to say that uh, a lot can happen in a dungeon crawl. And the thing is that not every dungeon crawl needs to be about all of those things. Right. So that's where we're going to actually have the discussion for tonight. I'm going to talk about how to make dungeon crawling fun or sexy. Right. And <laughs> and uh, and because I'm old, I will talk about how to make uh, dungeon crawls feel nostalgic. Right. Good. So I'm going to jump in with how to make it fun. The genre of dungeon crawling is pretty expansive, so it has a lot of different actions that a group could undertake, which gives you the opportunity to pick and choose which elements of dungeon crawling you and your group are interested in and will enjoy the most, right? So this is pretty typical for a lot of our advice, but we're going to tell you that you should start this whole thing with a conversation with the people who are going to play the game right? Because the first thing you should do is find out what they're into and what they like. And if there's anything in that list that they really don't like that they don't want to do. Yeah. Like for instance, like puzzles, puzzles are one, uh, especially puzzles where the players have to figure out the puzzle, right? Not the characters. Like those are ones that are real hit and miss. Like some groups love it. Some groups hate those. All I, I just, it's really funny because we're definitely talking about tabletop games, but every time we talk about puzzles, I'm just like, oh gosh, the freaking water temple. I just, it's a thing. Yeah, but I'm talking about like literally like the GM like puts like a piece of paper oh, yeah, on the no, table I, and is uh, like, solve this yep. and you can move on to the next room. Yeah, no, I've, I've done those too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. I, by the way, I'm not a fan. By the way, I'm talking about it. I'm not a fan of that. Obviously, one. you're not. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that you'll find when you have this conversation is that some things are core to people's understanding of dungeons, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I think if you ask a group like, you know, name three things you expect in a dungeon, right? Combat, treasure, and traps are probably going to make the top of that list. Right. Because without those things, it would probably not feel like a dungeon. Um, yeah. So you probably want to have those things in your dungeon. In abundance. For sure. Yes. Do that. Do that a lot. Yeah. Um, other things might be more in the middle, um, and then some, so you might sprinkle them in with moderation, right? Yeah, like physical challenges. Like, yeah. you know, you don't want like a climb check or a dex, you know, like a dexterity check every, you know, every encounter. But, you know, having gone through a couple combats and then all of a sudden finding this like, you know, really rickety bridge that everybody has to nimbly cross or something, you know, is a nice change of beat. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And then, like, you know, another one's, like, exploration. Like, like exploring and looking around can be a lot of fun. It's not always the most exciting thing when you're just, like, when players are asking questions about, you know, like, what does this pillar look like? What does that pillar look like? And then you move to the next room and you're like, okay, what does this look like? What does that look like? Like, there's a certain amount of that that's fun. And again, these will all be subjective to your group. But, like, personally for me, like, I like some exploration, in a game, but yeah. then I kind of want it like to move on. 
yep. to do some other stuff. Yep, 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 for sure. And basically the purpose of this conversation that we're having here is that your group is going to come up with their own list of what they like and dislike, and that list is going to be unique to your group. So we can't necessarily tell you how to do it right, because right is going to be what's right for the people you're playing with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so now that you actually have some understanding of what will work for the people that you're running this game for, you can do one of two things, right? You can go find a published adventure that uses the criteria that you have discovered. Right. And the trick of that is like, you're going to have to either read like just the, you know, the the back cover text to see if a thing is like, you know, your gig or not, or you're going to have to like buy or acquire a bunch of adventures and kind of like flip through them and see what, like what's a good fit. And truth is because other people are writing them, they may never be an exact fit, right? They may never be the exact right mix, but you'll find adventures that you, you know, like some adventures more than others. Yeah, and you can probably tweak them a little bit if you need to to take something out that people don't like or whatever, right? The other option is, of course, to make your own dungeon, right? Right, and and this will definitely take more work because you're going to have to draw a map and, you know, figure out what the rooms are and stock the encounters and all of that stuff. But you then can build it to your group specifications. Right. So either way, if your dungeon has more of what your group likes and less of what they don't like, it's going to be easier to run and your group is going to have higher engagement and ultimately everyone is going to enjoy it more. Right? Yeah, which sounds like a lot of our other advice. Right. A lot of our advice (laughs) is talk to each other. And I don't think that this is necessarily different. (laughs) I don't want to give up too much, but that's a lot of what we talk about, right? It's like relationships with people are about communication. Right. Anyway, tell us about nostalgia. (laughs) Right. So first of all, let's be clear. Nostalgia is not what it's cracked up to be. Yeah. Right. A lot of times when I find something nostalgic, it winds up disappointing me later. So (laughs) in order to make this better... Let's not use nostalgia. Let's talk about how to make dungeons more, how to reinforce the genre, right? Yeah. And so in order to do that, what we want to do is we want to lean into a lot of the tropes that we talked about at the beginning of the show, right? And we can do this a number of ways. Yeah. So you can do it through the adventure because like an adventure will have a certain amount of genre material in it. Right. And so when you're in a published adventure, you have a bunch of that material that the author wrote for you and it's already in there. And it probably is pretty dungeony if they wrote in a dungeon. Um, If you're writing your own, then you need to design that um, genre enforcing stuff into your prep. Right. And so remember some of those things that we said above, right? Secret passages and uh, things that are old. Old, creepy monsters. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, Then the other thing you can do is you can, through your descriptions of things, give a dungeon that real dungeony feel uh, by the language you use to describe it, the way that you project your voice. You want to start giving this feeling of, you know, things being old and dusty and noises that you can hear down, like, you know, echoes down hallways and cobwebs and the air is stale and then like has a slight air of decay to it as you move through you know these perfectly carved stone blocks that are you know from a time like forgotten right like 
dungeony like is good that's can i kill, right. can i shoot magic missile into the darkness please right no. <laughs> right and then the third thing that you can do is you can enforce the genre through the actions that you actually take as a gm right so if you're doing something then like take that I, I, i'm loath to say like offensive but like when you take what we would consider to be like a move in Powered by the Apocalypse, sure. right? Yep. Then take moves that support the genre, right? So, like, that means that maybe there are skeletons attacking or, like, you know, the wall collapses and there's a cave-in. Do genre-enforcing actions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just the way your monsters act, the way they act and react, like, you know, this is like an ecosystem. You want it to feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So to help with that, there's this great publication by Goodman Games called The Dungeon Alphabet. And it is just fantastic for understanding the tropes and, and tones and things like that for a dungeon, especially kind of in an old school sense. And it's literally an A to Z, right? Like it just goes like one letter at a time. And each letter has like one word and it tells you like what it like its relevance in dungeons. Like the one I always remember is Y is for yellow. Right. And yellow is the sign of madness and decay, like yellow uh, mold and things like that. So it's such a great, it's such a great, you can get it in PDF, you can get it in hardcover. It's fantastic. Goodman Games. Okay. So the next thing about really leaning in and making dungeons feel really good is remembering that a dungeon is a site based adventure. Right. So it means that the dungeon it takes place in a fixed site at a fixed location. In most cases, don't get all Twitter people, don't get all, like, <laughs> don't get all over me for those cases where dungeons move around or whatever. We're, like, we're I know generalizing. It, I know it happens. Okay. So, a dungeon's a fixed site. And to some extent, what that means is that because it's fixed, the players should have some bounded freedom to make choices and explore. Right. If you and, just have a linear dungeon, you're basically... You just built the bad version of the railroad, right? Yeah. It only yeah. goes forward. <laughs> yeah. So you you need, like, the dungeon needs to have a layout where choices can be made that for the players to take. Right. And, and things that matter, right? Like the hallway splits. So which way are they going to go? Or are they going to split the party? Um, oh, yes. I want to bring that up. What? That's a really good Splitting point. Splitting the party? No. Hallways that split. Choices that Choices matter. Choices that matter, yes. I, as a younger GM, yes. used to be very guilty of something called Schrodinger's Dungeon. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think so it's, a, it's a valid form of dungeoning. Right. Schrodinger's Dungeon is literally where, no matter which way the players go, you just put the encounter you want to have- In that room. In front of the players. It's fine as it, long as they think it matters. It gives the players a false sense of- that any of their decisions matter, and it is actually really a type of railroad. Yeah. Because none of their choices have any consequence. None of their choices matter because whatever choice they make, you've made the outcome. So it's actually, it is a technique. Yeah. I have seen it done in a couple places where um, either a clue needs to be picked up or a certain encounter needs to be done before the finale. And so people will Schrodinger dungeon, uh, you know, a room in, in, in the way. But I also know that I used to do it when I was a lazy game master yeah. to basically run a linear dungeon that felt like it had choice. Don't yeah, do that. That's less than ideal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't, fair, fair, don't, fair. Okay, okay. Okay. Choices that matter. Hallways that split. Right. 
Uh, multiple doors out of a room, similar. Hidden passages so that there's a reason to explore and find things. Um, staircases. Uh, yeah, do you go up? Do you stay on this level, right? Like, like every one of those things becomes a, a, a decision point for, for a group, right? Do we, do we want to go left? Do we want to go right? Always go left. Um, multiple doors out of a room, pick the left one. <laughs> those kinds of things. <laughs> you, you, have some, you have some things. Well, no, that's dungeon survival skills. This way, in case the party ever gets separated and they like they, somebody has to try to catch up, if there's a if there's a hallway, go left. Go left. If there's a door, take the left one. We just this always, way. We just carried chalk. Yeah, we we always had we always had you know go left. Anyway, okay. <laughs> the next part of this is uh, because this is a site based adventure, right? The characters often have to go to the site with what they can carry, and are often remote. Like they're located away from other resources. Like they have to like leave town and go to the dungeon, right? Yes. So they they've lost all the things that town has, right? Healers, extra equipment, um, rations, rope, that kind of thing, right? So the players have to like take what they think they need and venture into the dungeon, right? So your dungeon needs to have some way to replenish some of those items if they are using them, if they're expendable, right? So like caches of equipment or items from past explorers who were not lucky. That's a good one. Like maybe you stumble across the previous adventuring group, but you get to raid, you know, their packs um, mm-hmm. off of their decayed bodies. Ugh. Yep. Uh, magical healing, right? So having treasure that includes potions of healing, scrolls, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then places that they can make safe for to rest right so that they can rest heal recharge spells etc and that means you know rooms that um potentially just have the one door or you know that kind of thing yeah and and this is really far more important in lower level games uh than higher level ones because higher level games players tend to have solved most of their equipment problems with magic and as long as they can get a decent rest and sometimes even have spells to help them rest then they're fine, right? But lower level characters like um, often don't have enough money for equipment, right? So they're like they're traveling with less equipment. Um, sometimes so low level that they may have like one heal, like they for can the do party. it one time, yeah, one right. one time. Um, and so they may need to rest and recharge spells and things like that. Um, dungeon crawl classics is actually exceptionally good at this. In almost every dungeon crawl classic adventure, there is at least a room with more gear in it so that like if the players um are in pretty rough shape with gear going into the into the adventure they will find a room that will help stock them up a little it often means though once they've been stocked up they're gonna the get game is on attack yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yep 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 okay so the other thing is these rests these caches these magical healing potions and things like that, right? It's all part of the beat structure of a dungeon, right? You want to have encounters and challenges, and then you want to have a resting beat. Right. Right? Because otherwise what happens is if you, and this is true with any kind of beat, if you hammer too hard on one kind of beat, so let's say we just do uh, encounter, 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 right? Mm -hmm. What happens is the players start to wear down right? Their resources start to run out, their spells start to run out. And as that happens, they will become more and more cautious. 
they will become more and more hesitant because it, it becomes a game of attrition. Will the next encounter wipe them out? Yeah. But if you have that, if you're doing a good beat structure and you're going encounter, 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 physical challenge, rest. Right. Right. Like then what happens is the group can kind of recharge. They get a little downtime and then they can do it again. Yes. Okay. So that I think that's probably the most important out of all the information we're giving you in this section. And it's probably the most important part is this idea of the rest beat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Lastly, last piece um, just want to talk about was um, that dungeons often have a history and they are ecosystems. Yeah. And that is to say that at one time, the dungeon was once something, like maybe a wizard school. Mm-hmm. Then time has passed. Mm-hmm. And now it is something else, home to monsters. Yep. So what this does is it shows it shows the passage of time, and it makes things feel old and alien. So like if we find a library, but now it's covered in weird fungus... And it's home to some angry mushroom people. Like, it is both familiar and and old, right? Because it's a library. But now it's also weird and alien. And that's like a really... um, It's one of the things that fascinates me about dungeons is the idea of... And this is the biologist to me. Like, what happens when the wizard school stops being inhabited by people? And what inhabits it? And how do they live with the weirdness of a wizard school? Like, you know, the weird, like, portals or whatever. Like, I once had a dungeon that was set in an old wizard school, and um, there was a pack of wolves that lived in the pantry in the kitchen because there was a plate of, like, endless food. Oh, yeah. They just lived and, and yeah. Right. They just, like, and they fiercely defended the pantry because it had endless food. Yeah. That makes so sense. It's those kinds of things, right? Like for the wizard school, it was like just this thing, like, oh, it's a thing in the pantry that like you open it up and it has food in it, like, and you take some out. But when the school was abandoned and repurposed, like that pantry became a den for a wolf pack because it had an, an a, a supply of food. Yeah, an endless supply of food. Exactly. Cool. So when we start to talk about things feeling old and alien, it is time for us to move mm-hmm. through the end of the show. And before we do that, Senda's going to tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. It's true. I'm going to tell you about Zhang Hu Hustle, where you can train alongside fellow students Eric Farmer and Eli Kurtz in Zhang Hu Hustle. Eric and Eli make their kung fu stronger by watching wuxia films than discussing how to apply their observations to game design. Do you think they're going to do Mulan? Because I would do Mulan. Oh, I mean, it looks wuxia as hell. Oh, I hope that it's... I really... Please, Disney, do it right. Please don't do anything terrible and racist that's going to make me have to not like it because I really want to like it. Say, Senda. Yes. Where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Just like Dave did, send us your question, your suggestion, or your topic. We love to do shows about the things that you love, and um, we are always uh, for that. 
And uh, the best way to do it is just to send us a question or ask us to talk about something, uh, and then we'll put it together and make a show out of it, because we're really good at that. Yep. We yep, are. Yep, indeed. Yep. If you like what we do here elsewhere or elsewhere on the Mr. Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon campaign is the thing that fuels all of this, that makes everything go from the web hosting to the host to the gear, et cetera, et cetera. When you are a patron of the Misdirected Mark Network, you get access to the bonus outtakes from this show, which are going to be kind of dirty this week. Um, <laughs> you'll get access to the outtakes from the Misdirected Mark show. You'll get um, you'll get into our Slack room if you want to come play Minecraft with us. That's definitely a thing you can do. You get the occasional goodies from Encoded Designs. In fact, actually, I just saw proofs from Tim Jones on oh. something that we are going to be giving out to patrons in mm-hmm, the near future. Mm-hmm. So that would be very cool. Uh, and we also like to shout out to some of our patrons each week. I'm going to let Senda blast right through them. Who should we shout out to? Yeah, Jim likes games. Hi, Jim. You're the royal merchant. I appreciate you. Uh, yes. Mirko Freilich. Thank you so much, Mirko. And Jason Pinella. Thank you so much, Jason. Hey, Senda, there's a thing that people can do that supports our uh, current uh, ad campaign <laughs> of if you listen to us, you will love us. I still didn't agree to um, this. Just... Just to be clear. Oh, I don't care. It's true. If you listen to us, you will love us. Um, There's a thing people can do that will help other people find us, which is really the linchpin to our marketing effort. What's that thing? Well, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, because every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show, because that's what iTunes and Stitcher and everybody uses to push shows up to the top so that people find them, which is great. Yeah, so thank you very much to everybody who's already left a review. We seriously love reading them, so if you leave one somewhere that we're not going to see it by default, you should let us know, because we like them. Thank you very much. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Say, Senda, show me how you're going to run your next dungeon crawl. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. All right, that's us. Oh I'm looking God. live. Waveforms looking strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But TikTok. The TikTok is. Can we talk about TikTok? We can talk about TikTok for a few minutes. Yes. I'm. No, uh, we shouldn't talk about it for too I'm long. Like We've two been weeks talking in. about it. We've been talking about it every episode. Right. I'm only two weeks in. Two weeks. I'm, I'm. I'm still digging TikTok. Bloop. It's so brainless. I know, but I it's figured, so entertaining. Bloop. I figured it out. I think at work today, I was sitting there and I was like. Or maybe you figured it out, and then I regurgitated this thought for myself. I'm not actually sure. I can't remember. Um, But I was sitting there at work, and I was like, you know, I think the TikTok is really addicting because it's like this thing that I can do for enjoyment that doesn't require any energy output from me whatsoever. No, no. You just literally sit and just just flick. Scroll. Flick. Like, yeah. I, and it, it hides the clock, so you don't even know how long you've been looking at oh, it. Oh, it like the that other was very bad. The other day, I threw something <laughs> in the oven, and I was like, "Oh, I need to kill like fifteen minutes." And I like just took TikTok out. I was like, "Well, this will disappear. This will just gone." Boom. I know. Fifteen minutes goes. <laughs> <laughs>
gone. Bloop. Either that and 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 I've been it's been starting to give me yo-yo stuff because I ran across this this guy doing a Chinese yo-yo oh, thing. Oh yeah. Like, what? Oh, I gotta go look for that. And I was like, whoa. So then I then now it's I followed him. So now it's giving me more yo-yo stuff. And then um, also uh, I have a lot of songs weird short clips of songs stuck in my head and i discovered tonight that postmodern jukebox has a tiktok where they post things like sometimes just clips from their youtube videos but like sometimes like little shorts from like stuff behind the scenes and stuff that they don't post anywhere else that's cool which is cool and i was like oh okay i i want to do a tiktok with my son um i want us to do um the um, the mobster, the Russian mobsters, the father and son from um, John Wick. I don't think you've seen it, but I haven't. Um, <laughs> there's a scene where the um, the the mobster, the father, finds out his son uh, did what he did to John Wick, and um, it, it's just a, it's a pretty cool scene. But I want to do it. But I want to like flip it so that like I I do the lip syncing of the son. Yeah, and then and my the son dad. does the lip syncing of the dad. So, so my son was like, "All right, dad, I'll do it, but you have to post it to your account, not mine, and you can't tag me." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow!" Oh like, my god, he's such a teen. I was like, such "Wow, that that teen. just hurts." Like, Ouch. Just, I don't want to be seen with you, dad. Right? Oh man. <laughs> Oh, it's fine. I'm I'm plenty handy if you need like, you know, help with your cell phone or you know, whatever. <laughs> but God forbid we try to do anything on social Don't. media. Yeah, no, no. Don't want to be seen with you in front of friends. That's Ugh, yeah. Not even Ouch. close. Bloop. So all right, so this we have to talk about we have to talk about um cult Ooh, life for a minute. I'm blinded by the lies. Okay, but not the weekend. Like that's do, do, do. Yeah, no, no, I love that song. Don't get me wrong. That song is 80s as uh, 80s as fuck, right? Like, yeah. Bloop. All right. Interesting. So we've talked about cult life, right? Because um, okay, okay. Here's here's one of these moments okay. where um, okay. I'm talking to you, right? And now. I realize like I'm like I'm talking about something. So I'm just all right. Here's Put the on thing. lotion. Here's you the thing. Sometimes click. I talk mm-hmm. to you and I know I'm like, okay, like mm. I'm telling you a thing <laughs> that I expect that you don't know. Right. Yes. So, yes. and then sometimes I'm like, I tell you a thing and I'm like, there's a chance you might know like something related to this. All right. So let me tell right. the story. This. So I've been listening to whole albums. Um, when I get up in the morning now, like I've been picking albums from like my youth and just putting on the whole album and listening to it. And, um, this morning I was listening to, um, extremes album, porno graffiti. And, um, and, and I particularly love this album, uh, Craig of the one name, right. One of our patrons, like one of his favorite albums, um, totally love this album. And I was mentioning it to you and you were like kind of drawing a blank, which I was like, that makes sense. I don't really expect you to know too much extreme except for one song. Like if everyone else who's listening could name, like if you can only name one extreme song, this song you would name is more than words, right? More than words released in March of 1991, actually day after my birthday, um, was um, for a period of time, dominated all media in 1991 it was it was on mtv 
Uh, it was on Billboard. Um, it, so the radio, cable, like you could not escape the song. And the song doesn't even sound and, like extreme. Just let's just back up for a second because sure. you just said the words you cannot, you could not escape this song. You can't yet. You, you can't escape it. Here if you're I in a am. Cult. A living example. <laughs> yes. So I was actually particularly surprised because this was a case where I was like, well, I don't expect you to know too much extreme, but I kind of expect you to know more than words. And even if in 1991 you didn't hear it, I kind of just thought from some point later in time, you would, in, you would bump into this song, but you had not. I had not. No. So... And I know you didn't because it's really funny because you're like, I we put it on, right? So we're watching it on YouTube and you're like, well, I usually have to listen to the chorus. And I'm like, no way. If you don't know this song in the first you like four notes, you don't know this seconds. song, right? Yeah. There's no way you know it. This song yeah, has I'm a like, very mm-hmm. distinctive opening. And um, yeah, if you don't know it, you do not know this song. And so I was correct. You did not know it. I was actually a little surprised. Um just because of how hard it would have been from 1991 on to have never encountered this song in a bar, in a dorm room. Like, it's actually pretty no, by impressive. by the time I was in bars or dorm rooms, like, that was like 10 years later. Okay. I mean, the song still exists. It's like- I know the song still exists, but like... It it wasn't permeating the atmosphere the same way. No, no, I know. I'm just saying, like it might have been on in the background, and I never noticed. Uh, I, it's I, again, it's one of those moments where it actually surprised me because I like I did not expect you to know any of the other um, songs on the album, but I was like, if you did know one, you would know this song. But alas, you did not. Alas, um, I do not. You were still you were still in the cult life back I was then. Still in the, I was. I was still in the cult life. So, yeah, like no. That was the thing. Bloop. <laughs> I'm just going to cut you off. We're going to start the show. Meow. <laughs> Ooh, I had a really good idea for a TikTok in the car. And then we can start the show. We should have a TikTok of us doing the meows. Okay, now we should start the show. There we go. Bloop. Hey, Santa. <laughs> God, Damn it. You know what? You're editing this mess. Was, Just keep I it know. up. No, I was joking. I was like trying to swallow right when you said it. Okay, can you try again? Please? Is all liquid out of your mouth? having weird visions of pandas and dungeons now <laughs> that wasn't meant to be anything but then you had the awkward tastes. pause awkward pause <laughs> <laughs> problem or pop pop sickle sickle popsicle popsicle <laughs> I'm so glad that came up. <laughs> oh my god, TikTok man. Okay, I think there needs to be a name for the word where you want to like something and are terrified I'm that so it has scared. been mishandled so and scared. you're going to have to dislike it. I really 
scared because I really want to like it. Right. Because Mulan, I think, is a perfect example of this. Right. Like I've seen the previews and I'm like, this looks amazing. It looks like a wuxia film Uh and I want to watch it. And then at the same time, I'm like, oh, God, please, Disney, like, please tell me there's an Asian director. (laughs) Yes. Like, please tell me you did this right. You did this, you know, with the right people who understand it. And you're not like going to end up parodying it. And like, please tell me you did this right. Just. Right, because everything I see looks Ugh. like amazing wuxia film, and I'm terrified <laughs> that you've done something wrong and I'm going to have to not watch it. Yes. <laughs> there needs to be a word for that. Right. I'm sure there's a German word for it. Right. There's like a German word for it's like, like eight fear syllables that, long. <laughs> right. Fear, fear of someone mishandling a, you know, something and you'll not be able to like, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah. We should get to the end of the show. Please. We have to do this quickly now. <sighs> I don't, Show me I, what don't, you got. I don't run dungeons. I, Show me what you got. I don't run. Show me what Show you got. Show me what you got. 50 minutes. We got to get yeah, out. Yeah, we got to get out of here. I just Say wanted to talk everybody. about Zelda. Lots and lots. Puzzles and Go- encounters and bosses and, and all the things. Freaking water temple. Okay. See you. Bye. And stop. stop.